Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy who served together in China for nearly 20 years. Watchman Nee was imprisoned by the Chinese government in 1952 and remained there until his death in 1972. Following his imprisonment, Witness Lee carried on this ministry in Taiwan and eventually in America and ultimately around the world. He served the Lord for more than 70 years before going to be with him in 1997. His major contribution was through a 21-year labor he called Life Study, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible. This program is based on those messages. Before we join today's show, we'd like to give you our website where you can find more programs just like this one. It's lsmradio.org. Again, lsm radio.org now here's our show today the Bible is very rich in the many titles that it ascribes to God of course he's the mighty God the God of glory the all-sufficient one and on and on it opens in Genesis 1 with the Hebrew word Elohim meaning the creator of the heavens and the earth but interestingly, at the end of the Bible, in the final chapter, Revelation 22, God is called simply the Spirit. But along the way, between these two great bookends of the Bible, we see the journey or the process that God has passed through in time to accomplish his great eternal purpose. Francis Paul has joined us today as we fellowship, uh, I would say, some uh, lofty things today, right, Francis? Lofty and also deep. Yes. I think uh, what we get today has been digging out the depths of the Bible. Yes, the interesting point is that what we will see today is a contrast between uh, what appears to be on the surface or outwardly known about God compared with or contrasted with the deeper, inward, intrinsic knowledge and being of God. And that is really, I think, conveyed through many of these titles as we see them progress through the Bible. And as you pointed out a few minutes ago as we were getting ready for the program, there's really far more titles for God in Scripture than we could possibly cover even in one program, isn't there? Yes, there is. It takes some research to pull out all the titles that are given to God. And to know these just in an outward way still does not give you a real knowledge of God. There has to be an inward revealing to be able to know who God is inwardly. This matter of all the difference between the outward appearance and the intrinsic or essential element is uh, very clear in Scripture. Uh, even Paul, the apostle, touches it in the book of Second Corinthians, which is really our focus in this uh, current life study that we're in. Chapter 5, verse 16, he says, So then we from now on know no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him so no longer. And then we have these two titles that I mentioned a moment ago. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and that God there is, as we said, the Hebrew Elohim. And in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, and the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him who hears say, Come. And let him who is thirsty come. Let him who wills take the water of life freely. So the first mention and the last mention of God 
two different titles ascribed, and this really implies this process we talked about, doesn't it, Francis? It really does. I think we'll see in this message today that there is much more to God. His titles reveal much more than we could ever realize just by the outward understanding of the words. Well, let's join Witness Lee with the first portion. I'm looking forward to the chance to come back and fellowship about what we're going to hear today. Everything has its outward appearance and its inward reality. Look at my appearance. Actually, my appearance doesn't represent me at all. You have to spend years and years to be with me. Then, uh uh-huh, you know me. Paul says, from now on, we don't know any people according to the flesh. That means according to our appearance. From now on, we know men according to the spirit. That means according to the inward reality. So this is a strong principle for you to know the Bible. Let me check with you once more. In the first page of the Bible, when the divine title is firstly mentioned, what was the expression there? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first time the divine title was mentioned or revealed was God, Elohim. And then what he did there, created the heavens and earth. Okay. Then in the last page of the Bible, what was the divine title mentioned? The Spirit, not God Elohim. The Spirit. Here, it is not just something divine by itself. And here is something added. In the first page, it doesn't say, in the beginning, God and the angels created the heavens and earth. There is no addition there. Only God. But in last time, you have addition. It doesn't say the Spirit says Son. It says what? The the it says the Spirit and the Bride. This is the last time that the Bible says the divine title in this way, with an addition. It's quite meaningful. This is the Bible. Francis, in the first mention of God in the Bible, of course, we see the God of creation. And, uh, oh, I think it's safe to say this outward knowing of God is probably the one that is most easy and uh, the most common among people. Even many unbelievers probably have some appreciation of this God of creation. But at the end of the Bible, the last page of the Bible, the Spirit and the Bride are together here, speaking together. A lot has transpired, and even something has been added along the way, hasn't it? That is the marvel of this whole study. 
because there is such a term used for God in his creation, and many people are stuck on that term. Even unbelievers, they think they can get to know God by the creation, by the trees, by the mountains. They are a testimony of God, but they are not knowing God. Right. And there are a lot of people understand God and understand the Bible in a very superficial way with an outward concept and an outward appearance. But there's much more to God and much more to the Bible than just meets the eye. Talk about the additional item that's been added here. He made an interesting point. In Genesis 1.1, it didn't say God and the angels created. Just God did that. But at the end, we have the Spirit and the bride who are speaking together. Interesting addition, huh? That is a very interesting addition because in the beginning, in Genesis 1.1, you have just God created without any addition, without any helper. He just said God created. But when you come to the end of the Bible, as you said, there is the Spirit, who is God, mm-hmm. and the bride. So something has been added. And that that's the significant thing about getting into the whole Bible in a deeper way. Who is this bride? And how does she qualify to be speaking the same thing as the Spirit? The Spirit and the bride speaking together. These are not random descriptions of God. Of course, the Bible has this marvelous progression from the first page through to the very end. And really, we see God's eternal purpose is projected here. Uh, Now the bride has been, as we saw earlier in chapter 19, made ready or prepared and being presented to the bridegroom. And this bride-bridegroom theme is also one that runs throughout the Bible, doesn't it? And we see it first emerge in Genesis itself, don't we? Yes, all throughout the Bible there is this relationship that is brought out more and more. Even in the Old Testament, God addressed Israel, his corporate people on the earth, as being their husband, the husband of Israel. Right. And so this theme is carried out. And even John the Baptist said, he that has the bride is the bridegroom. And therefore, the friend of the bridegroom it rejoices at his appearing. So... This thought is throughout, and of course, when you get to Ephesians and some of the more the deeper epistles, you see this is very, very much developed, that there is a bride for Christ. There is this need for God to have an addition, to have a counterpart. Witness Lee refers to this uh, as the universal romance. I remember in our life study in Romans, the very first message, I think it's called the divine romance, and he develops this thought and goes back and shows that even in the beginning in uh, the first two chapters of Genesis, we see uh, a husband and a bride, and it, the theme, as you mentioned, is carried out through the Old Testament. You talked about uh, a reference, I think it's Isaiah 54, for your husband is your maker, referring to God as being the husband of uh, his people, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. And throughout Scripture, and as you also pointed out, John 3 uh, John the Baptist, comparing himself to Christ, refers to Christ as the bridegroom, being the one with the bride. And now at the very end of the scripture, very end of the Bible, here the spirit and the bride there are together. So a thing that cannot be ignored, and really it's almost incumbent upon us to see this universal romance if we really want to have an apprehension of scripture of the Bible, don't we? If we don't get this view, we will just know God outwardly. We'll just know the feathers and the skin of the Bible, the outward, but we need to get into the meat, into the depth of the Bible, 
to see this whole mystery and this marvelous plan unfold, to see what God's eternal purpose is and why we end up with the Spirit and the Bride. Hmm. Well, let's go back to Witness Lee. We're going to talk about the universal romance. Entire Bible tells us a couple. <laughs> a universal romance. God was the man. His children people, collectively speaking, is the bread. And eventually, at the end of the Bible, what you have? You have an immersive couple. And the husband is the very God. And the addition is the very chosen people of God. You know, when the Lord Jesus came, John the Baptist said, not only behold the Lamb of God, in chapter 1 of John. But in chapter 3 of John, you know, when his disciples were jealous over the crowd following Jesus, and John the Baptist told his disciples, he that has the bride Amen. is the bridegroom. Amen. You see, John not only told us that Jesus was the Lamb of God, but also the bridegroom. Amen. This thought... God would marry man. It's not only in the, in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah, God told Israel, your creator is your husband. Amen. I would marry you. Amen. I love you Amen. as a man loves his bride. Without his chosen people to be his bride, God is just single. It is not good. God is just half. The theology of today's Christianity is that God is almighty, all perfect, all complete, is so great, he's the king, he's the lord. According to our appearance, God is like this. This is appearance. But in the inward reality, God said, I want the bride. I like to get my bride. Where is my bride? If you know the Bible, eventually, (laughs) you got it. You got it where? You got it in Revelation 21, 22. He was satisfied. Eventually, the Bible says what? The Spirit and the Bride say. Well, that was very clear. I don't think we could add anything to it. Maybe we can just repeat some of the things he said, Francis. He really seemed to uh, uh, speak this message in a very condensed form there. A lot of preachers do talk about the God of creation and somewhat pointing their people into a realization or a recognition. Uh, maybe some deeper messages point out that Jesus is the Lamb of God, mm-hmm. and that, of course, you know, gives us his redemption and uh, his finished work on the cross. Both very good, but not much speaking, is there, about a bride and the bridegroom? And this is really at the heart of God's intention. Without this realization and this seeing in the Bible what the goal is, we cannot 
get into the depths of the Word of God. We will only touch the skin and the feathers, the outward things. And they are interesting, just like the old creation is interesting, but it is not revealing like this is. This is a, a marvelous revelation. I hope that all of our listeners today could uh, grasp what this message is telling us, that God wants to be married, that there is a bride for Christ. Uh, let, let's talk about his, his uh, comment here near the end of his speaking, that even within God there is this kind of a cry. Mm-hmm. I want a bride. I'm seeking a match, a counterpart. Mm-hmm. And in this cry, there's a the revelation, really, that he has an idea who this counterpart should be, doesn't he? Yes, indeed, he does. Matter of fact, he set out with this plan. Right from the very beginning, he wanted one that would match him. And that's the reason we saw in Genesis that Adam, after all these animals were created by God and brought before him, and he could name them, but there wasn't one that matched him. And this was God's feeling. There's not one to match him. So he created a man with that intention. And we don't find out how this man could be the bride until we get on into the Bible and into the depths of the revelation of the Bible, on farther in, and finally at the book of Revelation, we see that fulfilled. Francis, um, this last section brings us to the topic of the qualification of the bride. As you just pointed out in the marvelous type figure that we see in Genesis, Adam representing there, in a sense, the Lord Jesus as the first Adam, and the Lord Jesus we know from Corinthians is the last Adam, but he is trying to enumerate or identify his bride, and none of the things had a kind of a match to him. None of the animals matched him intrinsically, inwardly, even though outwardly some had a great deal of beauty and a lot to be desired. Uh, but there was the inward, intrinsic match that he was after, and that is clearly what uh, God is after in finding his match, his bride in the church, isn't it? Yes, that is not to get a uh, an animal wife, <laughs> but to get a a human wife, a creation that God created for that purpose and for it to be so developed that it matches him. Let's look at this verse again as we prepare for this final portion today. It's how we one we opened the program with Revelation 22. The very last title that's given to God in the Bible says, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. All right, here's Witness Lee for our final portion. In the first page, God was just God. A single God. Never processed. But... So 66 books, a long journey, a long process. In Revelation 22, the Spirit is no more single. He's all-inclusive. And the Spirit has a kind of heart, a match, an increase, an addition. Could you follow me? He's no, no more just a single God. He's now the all-inclusive spirit and the brain. Amen. My the spirit is a brief term. Only two words. The spirit. But this title is all-inclusive. Contrasting of all what the term God is and what he has 
accomplished, achieved, obtained, and attained all what he has gone through. This is why at the end of the six books, it doesn't say God and the church say. No, no. It says the Spirit and the Bride. To say the church is simple. To say the bride uh, is not that simple. This term uh, implies a lot of requirements. Probably you never change with this title. The spirit and the bride say. Have you got it? Francis, he makes, I think, a very poignant point here at the very end. It's one thing, and a simple thing in a sense, if God had concluded the holy divine revelation by saying God and the church, or even Christ and the church, but specifically and intently he uses the term or the phrase the spirit and the bride. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not nearly as simple, is it? No, it isn't that simple, and it's so crucial that we grasp this deep reality. Without the spirit, uh, the process Christ the process God, I would say, becoming incarnated, dying, resurrected, becoming the life-giving spirit to get into our human spirit, there would be no way for Christ to have a counterpart, an addition, to be able to speak, as is spoken here in Revelation 22:17. the spirit and the bride. This is a marvelous, marvelous revelation. And I feel that many, many Christians have been deprived of seeing this vision because so many have taught much about Christ in an objective way, much about God in an objective way, but not many have touched this progression where God came in Christ, went through this process of death, burial, resurrection, became the life-giving spirit, which is the all-inclusive spirit, and that spirit has to have a match. And that match is made up of all the regenerated spirits, matured Christians, Mm. not a baby, not just born. We are born of God when we receive Christ, but we must mature. We must grow up. He's not coming to marry a child bride. He's coming to get a fully matured bride. That means that we have to know how to grow in our spirit, to be a spiritual being, to be a person in spirit, to be able to match Christ as his counterpart. John 4 tells us that God is spirit. Now here in Revelation 22, it just names him as the spirit. Mm -hmm. And as you said, with the bride, to be a match, there has to be this additional element, uh, the very spirit of God through the process that he has undergone, which we talk about so often on this program. Now, God in Christ, as the Spirit, is being day by day, bit by bit, really sewn and stitched into the fiber of our being, isn't he? Until we become this proper bride, this match, this counterpart. As you said, uh, just being a female is not an adequate qualification for uh, someone to become a bride. There has to be some maturity and some development. Amen. There must be. And this is the secret of the Christian life. This is the purpose of the Christian life that we would be born of the Spirit. John 3 says, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. That means our Spirit. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 makes it clear 
that we have a spirit that's not the same as our soul. A body, a soul, and a spirit. It's our spirit that has been regenerated and has the life of God and can match Christ. And if we're matured in our spirit, then we will be a match for Christ. Francis, I really hope this is a, a message that our listeners will take advantage of the opportunity to get the printed message of. There's yes. so much here, uh, and it touches, as we've said now, the great divine eternal purpose of God throughout eternity past through time and on into eternity future is uh, all wrapped up in this matter of the universal divine romance. Yes. And uh, it's, it unlocks scripture. It answers so many questions about our own Christian life and our own experience and uh, the process that we're going through as we become this match, a counterpart for him. I think it's an invaluable uh, resource for all of our listeners. If you'd like to find out about receiving the Life Studies in uh, printed form, two-volume set for 2 Corinthians, you can call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788, or you can send email to radio at lsm.org. Thank you for your fellowship today, Francis. And for Francis Paul, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.